Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, bringing you inside rumors and transactions around the league with your hosts, Keith Smith and Trevor Lane. Brought to you by LakersNation.com and CLNS Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. And today, yeah, we normally don't live stream this show, but we figured with everything going on in the NBA, with all the things that are happening right now, we're hearing about the start date, we're hearing all kinds of uh, trade rumors, free agency rumors, everything that's happening, we decided that this would be a good opportunity to go ahead and open up the show by live streaming it. That way we can take your questions and comments. So if you're joining us from the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, Periscope, or Facebook. Welcome in. We appreciate you guys joining us. With me, as always, we've got Keith Smith from Real GM, Yahoo, Celtics blog. I just say Keith is from everywhere. Keith, how are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm really good. It's uh, It's been a very, very long week, but uh, for us, NBA-wise, it, it's ending with great news, and I'm really excited. Yeah, the NBA is is back, and that's that's an exciting thing for all of us. I can't wait. Uh, I've said it a bunch of times on on my show. You know, I'm a basketball junkie, so I've been I'm already missing NBA basketball, even though it's only been a few weeks. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting things back and and up and running. And I know I know you are too. It's um it's a little weird. Like we've had so much going on in terms of the world of sports. We've had NFL, MLB, NBA, all of it overlapping MLS. And now that there's no NBA, I just I feel like something's a little bit missing. So I'm excited about it, about it getting back up and running here. I've got a super into Premier League soccer um, because I'm I'm missing everything. Uh, as you know, I'm I'm a little out on the NFL mm-hmm. uh, more than I have been in prior years. So I've been doing a lot of Premier League soccer and really really into that. So so that's been a lot of fun, man. I'm really enjoying it. I feel you on that one. That's always a lot of fun to to go and and watch. My LA Galaxy are not not doing so hot, so their games have been pretty much unwatchable. So I do need to go check out some Premier League games. Um guys, I'm Orlando seeing... City, man. They they're playing well. You can jump on that bandwagon. That's they're, right. they're not usually very good, but they're playing really well. I've seen this they year. have been. They've been really tough, and I know the MLS playoffs are coming up pretty mm-hmm. soon too. So I'm going to be excited about that. Um, I That's do what see- everybody came here for was our big MLS was our podcast. soccer talk. <laughs> right? I do see the questions and comments starting to come in already from YouTube, from Facebook, from Periscope. We're gonna uh, we're gonna dive into all of those in just a moment. But first, before we embark on all of this, quick shout out to our sponsor, and that is Theragun. Uh, Theragun is, is just a tremendous product. And as I'm getting older, it's something that I rely on all of the time. The stress of daily life weighs on us all, whether you're an an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's also as quiet as an electric toothbrush, which is absolutely amazing. I have a four-year-old, don't want to wake her up. And I'm the type where during this whole COVID shutdown, I've definitely packed on some some pounds. They call it the COVID-19 for for a reason, right? And, uh, and so I'm trying. I'm trying to get myself back into shape. But as I'm doing that, as I'm ramping up my physical activity, I'm getting more and more soreness. And for me, Theragun has been a big help in that area. And you guys can try Theragun for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen. 
personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash office right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash office, theragun.com slash office. All right, guys. So if you happen to be listening to the podcast only version of this, do us a favor. Make sure you uh, give us a little shout out. Give us a review, preferably a five star review as well over on Apple Podcasts or if you're finding us on Spotify or wherever. Make sure you rate and review this show. Okay, Keith, why don't we dive right into the news? The big news that came out late last night, we've been putting off this show because we were waiting to find out when the NBA is returning. And it sounds like now, according to Shams Tarani of The Athletic, December 22nd will indeed be the date after all of the back and forth. It feels like that's where we're landing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what happened uh, yesterday was the NBA uh, player reps voted. It was not uh, necessarily a a, uh, full player vote, but the NBA player reps go back, they get with their teams, and then they voted um, to basically conditionally approve is the best way to put it, provisionally approve, however you want to put it, that the season will start on December 22nd. There are a few outstanding items that need to be discussed and figured out, the salary cap, option dates, those kind of things. So that's that's part of why um, a lot of people are shouting, you know, start free agency now and all that. Mm-hmm. Things aren't settled yet. And they probably won't be for at least another three, four days. But it's basically a done deal. Now it's it's just, you know, kind of crossing those T's, dotting those I's there. So so here's what we know date wise. Right. We know November 18th is going to be the NBA draft. Yep. We know that couple days after that is when free agency is expected to open. Um, so the 20th or 21st of November. So that's when we're expecting that ahead of Thanksgiving um, here in the U.S. And then um, I should have stepped back. The transaction moratorium we're under right now where no teams can make trades, no mm-hmm. teams can do anything like that. That'll lift anywhere from a few days to a week prior to the NBA draft. Um, so that'll free up those trades for draft picks, those those trades that happened at the draft and those kind of things. So the key thing to keep in mind here is everything is going in the same order it always happens in. It's just going to happen in a lot more condensed of an order and a lot clearly a lot later, about five months later in the uh, calendar than it usually does. Now, I saw some so, discussions yeah. about about people saying that free agency, and this is a topic that we've discussed before, but they were talking about having free agency happen before the draft or start before the draft. And I know there's a bigger discussion about just having that being done in general that way, seeing those two things flipped so that teams know kind of more what they need in the draft. And I understand the argument behind that, but it's just it's simply not possible to do that this season, yeah. is it? too tight right no it's too tight so then there's a couple reasons for that one is is that what i talked about before they're still still finalizing all the terms of the agreement and really we're less than two weeks out from the draft now Mm -hmm. so we're we're down to it on that so the other thing is teams are still finishing draft prep they haven't even completed their meetings and their medicals with all these players they've their scouting is done they know how they feel if a guy can play or not but what they want to know is hey that that back issue you know this player had you know in a sophomore season is that gonna be a lingering thing is that a real thing or not they're just now 
no, or not just now, but they only recently were able to get the kids in their facilities, have their doctors get their hands on them, and really do those medical checks. And medical, you'll hear me repeat this a lot, but medical trumps all. That's why Michael Porter Jr., a very talented player, dropped mm-hmm. so late in the NBA draft was because teams had concerns about his back. So so that's where you're at is, is that medical check. Then you're asking teams to, on top of that, open free agency and make a whole bunch of moves. That's not going to happen. The other piece is those six teams that can have cap space, those teams would have an unfair advantage at the draft because they could say, hey, I'll take on that contract right now for this versus those trades where it's, all right, well, we got to line things up. We got to do this in the new league year and those kind of things. And those are those are situations the NBA wants to avoid. If you knew it was going to be that way and you had prepared for that all along, that's an even playing field and everybody's ready to go. Yeah. So, yeah. So free agency is not going to happen before the draft, probably a couple of days after the draft, maybe three days after. But but as a team executive put it to me, Turkey and trades on Thanksgiving this year. That's what it's going to be. It's, it's in the chat already. Like this has become this is becoming a thing, Keith. Just like your your Orlando bubble <laughs> idea became a Turkey thing. And Turkey and trades <laughs> is becoming a thing. In right? fact, in fact, I I already warned my wife. I told her I talked about this on the show last night. I said I told her we're supposed to go to uh, her aunt and uncle's house for Thanksgiving, and I told her I said it's Turkey and trades though. I said I am bringing my <laughs> laptop. I am bringing all of my right? stuff. And just know that I will be leaving and I will be I will block myself in a room somewhere if something happens because you never know. There's going to be Turkey, but there's gonna be NBA trades going on too. So that's gonna be that's gonna be something that I'm gonna to need to uh need to cover. Hey, I've got a, a question yeah, I'm, coming I'm in. I'm super psyched for Thanksgiving and Christmas to be like completely wiped out by the NBA. Uh my my, my wife is gonna be thrilled by They're that. They're gonna be so, sure. so happy with this. I'm excited for it, but yeah, it's <laughs> It's going to be a little bit delicate. I th- I think the the cost of my wife's Christmas gifts is going up a little bit because of oh, this. Um, hey, I've got a question here. Robert Gonzalez yeah. from YouTube says, "Hey, uh, Trevor, so what is the salary cap going to look like, and when does free agency start?" So, Keith, you actually broke the free agency news uh, a few days ago on when you think or when teams have been telling you it's going to start. And then we're all, we've also heard a little bit on the salary cap. So can you fill us in on those things? Yeah, so free agency, like I said, November 20th, November 21st, that's likely when that'll right. kick off, and that'll be when everything will get going there. The salary cap, it's going to remain flat um, for the uh, twenty. 21 season uh the upcoming season as what it is now so just a little bit over 109 million the the question that is still out there is the luxury tax and the tax apron there are some teams that are pushing to go to the projected level of 139 million um for the tax and then the 145 million for the tax apron tax aprons that i'm out just above the luxury tax where teams become hard capped if they're subject to being hard capped. And as a reminder, if you're not, or if you're not a regular listener, listener to the show, you get hard capped. If you accept a player via sign and trade or acquire a player via sign and trade, if you use an amount of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, that is equal to the taxpayer mid-level exception or more, or if you use the biannual exception. Reason for that is if you are above the tax apron, you're not allowed to, use the 
you're not allowed to acquire a player via sign of trade. You can't use um, you you get the taxpayer mid level exception instead of the non taxpayer difference of about four million dollars or so there on that one, and you don't get the biannual exception. So that's where the tax apron. So there's a handful of teams that are pushing. Yeah, we still want that to go up because it'll free up mm-hmm. movement, it frees up flexibility for them. But it sounds like those are probably going to stay flat as well because there are more teams that are saying. Hey, sorry, I don't want to free up flexibility for the Golden State Warriors. Right. Yo, too bad. Pay a massive tax bill. That's on you. You got to figure that out. So then in the future years, what they what they've agreed to is language that says the salary cap and then everything else. So max salaries, uh, the luxury tax, the rookie scale, everything that's tied to the salary cap will increase for the life of this CBA, which is through 22-23 or 23-24. There's a mutual opt-out after the 22-23 season. Um, What we will see there is it will go up by a minimum of 2% each season. Now, usually it goes up far more than 2%. Um, but they, they priced that in because what they don't want to do is have it stay flat too long and then hurt earnings for those players who are coming up. So you're going to see it go up by a minimum of 2%. There's no maximum tied to that. So if things get better in a year or two and things look really good and the revenues are flowing and we're all back in arenas and those kind of things, um, it could go up 10%. It could go up you know, big jumps, whatever it's going to be. But they are pricing in a minimum of 2%. Um, last thing related to free agency – Option dates, guarantee dates, qualifying offer deadlines, all that stuff. That's all still TBD. That's part of what they've still got to work out to get this agreement finalized, pushed over the goal line, and then everything moves forward. Right. So that stuff isn't done yet. But I mean, but the date was a big sticking point, and that was something that now they've they've got that yep. locked in. Um, the two percent thing I thought was definitely interesting. I think it's it's important that they put that in moving forward. And again, the hope is that that hey, things will continue to improve or will improve, I should say, um, at some point. But for right now, at least they have it set that, hey, this is going to go up. We are going to commit to that because right now, let's face it, even $109 million, they're artificially setting it at that. If you just went yeah. based on basketball-related income, it would not be set at $109 million. It'd be around 90 Yeah, it would be, it would be much lower, which means that uh, you would have a lot of teams that would be really struggling. So they're yeah. artificially putting the cap where it's at for right now. I do want to jump back real quick to the, the hard cap thing because I know we have a lot of Lakers fans that are here in the chat and they're asking about... Uh, about the mid-level exception and and using that. The Lakers are one of those teams where when we talk about the comment that I get a lot is Rajon Rondo or or let's let's use Contavious Caldwell-Pope because they have his full bird rights. KCP, they've got his bird rights. I've got people saying, well, just pay whatever it takes in order to, to keep him. Well, sure, they can do that. But the challenge is it's not so much that they can't pay him whatever it takes to, to keep him, it's that if they want to go use, say, that biannual exception or that mid-level exception, that then triggers the hard cap. So for a team like the Lakers, the the luxury or the salary cap number was important, but the more important numbers are going to be that luxury cap and that hard cap numbers because that's going to determine what they can really go do in free agency and if they're able to go and, and spend what they want with the mid-level exception and still bring back their guys. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, as it stands, they've got about 65-ish million or so on the books and guaranteed salaries. Mm -hmm. You're going to add another 32.7 for Anthony Davis because we know he's getting a max contract when he opts out. So now you're up, you know, you're, you're up, call it almost 100 million there. So they're still pretty light. Now, if JaVale McGee opts in, 
if um, Avery Bradley opts in, that's another $9 million you're taking off of that. So now you're starting to build up. So, yeah, a guy like Caldwell Pope, if he opts out and you pay him $15 million or something in that range, whatever it need be, um, there, and then Rondo opts out and you give Rondo another – you know, contract that comes in around two plus million, you know, two point five to three million or so in that range. Now you're just kind of stuck if you're the Lakers because now you're you're pushing up against it. I think they've still got enough room and probably will have enough room to operate under the hard cap to be able to use the full uh, mid level. What it will likely do is remove some of that flexibility in season um, to make trades that take on money and right. those kind of things. That work gets tricky. Now I know I've already seen the million questions about what do we have to do to get drew holiday of course paul all these other things right um for for the lakers specifically well any any con any trade you do that takes on money just makes you that much tighter up against that margin and it's going to be a little harder to work around as it stands right now they're probably okay i i don't see them you know really pushing too far um you know up near near because the luxury tax apron if it stays flat is going to be you know 130 Seven million ish in that range, hundred and thirty nine million um, for the apron, and they've still got more than enough room under it to do what they need to do. But if you start making trades where you're taking on significant money, that's going to be where it gets a little tricky. Well, and I'm also looking at okay, they're, they've got to bring back you know not just Rondo and KCP, but maybe Dwight Howard. You've got to pay him. Yeah. You've got those things coming, um, and then what you do with that twenty eighth draft pick if you keep that, that's adding yeah. something. It's it adds up very quickly, and then before you know it, you're like, oh, well. Gosh, you know, if we go and offer yeah. this full mid-level exception to somebody, whoever it is, suddenly you're you're staring down that hard cap. And if it's lower than we're thinking it might be, or you know, that that can become a factor pretty quick. So it's just something. Yeah, to keep and it's an eye important on. to note with the hard cap. Sorry to interrupt no, you, ahead. but when you're on the hard cap, you can't go over it by a dollar. Right. It is you are locked in because as as hopefully people understand by now, anybody who watches or listens to our show gets with the minimum exception, you can almost always go over the cap. To sign guys to the minimum. But if you are hard capped, you cannot go past the hard cap. We've seen that cause problems for the Clippers in recent years where they had to dump some contracts and stretch guys and do those kind of things. And then the Golden State Warriors was a huge issue for them dancing around the hard cap all last season after they took D'Angelo Russell in by a sign and trade that hard capped them. And then that cost them. Uh, they were going to move Andre Iguodala anyway, but that was the order of operations there was move him out to make room. And then they had to dance around with the two way guys they had to trade Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson so that they could re-sign some other guys. And, and then of course, with their wide um, ranging injuries that they had, um, they, that's why they went into games with only eight, nine players players healthy because and open roster spots because they couldn't fill them because they were hard capped so you really you want to avoid that if at all possible which again i think the lakers are probably okay but it's just something to kind of have in the back of your mind as you're building out these roster scenarios yeah absolutely and the and the example that that lakers fans can relate to is is demarcus cousins right if the lakers were against yeah. the hard cap and what happened last year let's say demarcus cousins had got you know got injured and the lakers were against the hard cap there is no dwight howard because you wouldn't be able to do that you wouldn't be able to go over uh over that in order to bring in more pieces. If you're not hard capped, 
in theory, you could sign as many players as you want to minimum contracts and just continue exceeding it. If you want, no, no, obviously you're not going to go crazy with it because you will still be paying luxury tax penalties. But if you don't trigger that hard cap, you can still continue signing minimum contracts where if you do, then you're really stuck. And so that's going to be something just to keep an eye on. You know, that's, that's a number that's still out there that will make yeah. an impact for, for the Lakers as it will for a number of teams around the NBA. Yeah, I just saw a question in there about um, how many people will be allowed in arenas. Mm -hmm. Um, That is still a very open-ended thing that that the NBA is trying to figure out. There's a couple things there. I think what the incapacity, uh, things that you're hearing is 25 to 50% of the luxury suites will be allowed to be filled um, in, in arenas, not the full arena itself. For example, where I am in Orlando, our governor says, fill it up, you know, load it up, hey, you know, let the magic have, you know, 19,000 people in the Amway Center. The NBA is not going to be OK with that for safety no. reasons. The NBA also doesn't want to have it be um, in a position where they have, um, in, in, you know, it's a there's not a competitive balance because, you know, teams in the south here have you know, loaded up arenas that are completely full in teams in the northeast, teams in California. You know, where they're being a lot more um, conservative with how they uh, treat the virus and that they are not, um, you know, having fans in the arena. So so I think you may see some uh, fans in the luxury suites, um, you know, and that that's what you'll see, because, again, that's a little more isolated, less people um, with that. Um, and let's face it, if you're sitting in a luxury box, those aren't the people that are making the most noise and are really you know, impacting games <laughs> anyway. So it's, uh, you know, it'll be a little bit different from that end. But but yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to, um, you know, load up the fans in the arenas. Hopeful. There's some hope around the league that if, a you know, vaccine comes out and things are looking better, maybe by the playoffs. But I think that's probably pretty unlikely. Yeah, it does appear that that's the, the eventual. And that was part of the reason why we're starting December 22nd, by the way, is that, you know, the thought was, hey, maybe if we push it back. That'll give us time to fix things and then get fans back in, are- in arenas. And then once they realized, okay, that's not going to happen, then it made all kind of sense to just go ahead and start in uh, in December. I've got a question here from uh, Levi Jose from uh, from YouTube I just asking about too. the Luol Dang <laughs> contract. Uh, that Dang contract. Dead. Yeah, we've got uh, – I have no updates on this, but I've also got people asking, well, well when are we going to hear anything? Uh, do you have a an ETA or anything on that, on that Keith? Yeah, so what I, I asked someone in the league about this, someone who actually works for the mm-hmm. NBA itself, not for a team, and they said it, it's a it's a low on the priority list, right, as yeah. I'm sure everybody could imagine, because what they want to do is let's figure out when the season's going to start first. Right. That was priority number one um, completely for everybody. So what they are looking at now, um, what you'll see is I expect a ruling to come down on that sometime before free agency opens, so probably sometime within the next couple weeks um, at this point if free agency opens on the 20th or 21st because clearly that's money the lakers would rather have off the books yes. as it goes it is not going to open up cap space for the lakers no let's be very very clear about that it will not open up any kind of spending power except for room under the luxury tax or the luxury tax apron so yes you'd rather have that five million off the books uh this year and especially um next year um, you'd rather have it off the books for 2021, 22. Um, but yeah, it's not going to do all that much. It make a huge difference for the Lakers going into this season. If you do find yourself in a situation where you're staring down that that hard cap, though, that's that would certainly come into play into play there. Yeah. That's where it could really yeah. matter for the for the Lakers. But again, that depends on how much 
they have to give their own free agents and, and all of those things. But you're right. It's not like this contract comes off the books. So then you can go spend $5 million and land free agent X or whatever. That doesn't mean you can yeah. go give out a $5 million contract. They're still going to be an over the cap team, but it does give you that little bit of breathing room just in case you do run up against that, that hard cap. And like you said, the bigger thing is really next off season, depending on what they do this off season, uh, potentially freeing up that much more space for the summer of Giannis. By the way, let's let's talk about that. Uh, Giannis, I, I know on our last show, you mentioned that you didn't think Giannis was going to sign the Supermax. I've seen a few people say, I've seen rumors going both ways. Yeah. Some, some saying, oh yeah, he's going to sign it. Other people saying he's not. How are you feeling at this point? I still don't think he's going to. I have this feeling he's going to use that almost as leverage a little bit on the box to put that pressure on him. Think what LeBron did with the Cavs mm-hmm. for years of, you know, I'll kind of leave it hanging out there, and that's how you push them to keep improving the team. It's not a criticism by any means of Giannis if he does that. It was never a criticism from me of LeBron when he did that. That's the right move to make. You know, push those guys really, uh, you know, make sure that they're going to, um, you know, you know, take care of you. They, they're going to do what they should do. So, so yeah, I, I still don't know that I think he's going to necessarily do that. I mean, maybe. Maybe there's something that that said. I do think he stays in Milwaukee. I don't think he's going to leave unless things really go south on the Bucs this upcoming season and they really flame out early again in the playoffs and things just aren't good. Then, sure, then maybe he goes. But but beyond that, I do think he's going to stay there. I think he's just built a little differently. I think think that's his place. That's his guy. So, so yeah, that that is – you know, that's something worth monitoring, though, because, you know, some credible people are saying he is going to sign. So so I do think, you know, there's something to say with that and something to watch. Let's say that he does sign. How much do you think that changes behavior this offseason? Let's say uh, as soon as he's able to, Giannis comes out and says, OK, I'm, I'm going to sign the Supermax and stay with, with Milwaukee. How many teams does that impact in terms of what they do this offseason now, knowing that Giannis won't be out there in 2021? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there are a couple, at least, that are going to be kind of going down the path of saying, well, you know, all right, if Giannis isn't going to be out there, you know, what, you know, what, what, what should we do? You know, should we, you know, reprioritize, um, you know, our spending elsewhere and those kind of things, but it's still a super loaded uh, free agent class. You're still, you know, you still have a good chance. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George will be out there, whether they'll leave the Clippers or not. Who really knows? You know, LeBron could be back on the market um, that year. Again, I don't think he's probably leaving the Lakers at this point, at any point soon. Any of the guys who don't um, reach extension terms of uh, the uh, the class that's up for um, contract extension. So the guys like Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, those guys, they would all be out there as restricted free agents. Um, so it's still a really good free agent class. So I think from that standpoint, you're looking at it and saying, well, you know, all right, well, what do we do? But if you're, let's say you're a team like the Miami Heat, who has an opportunity this summer to maybe resign some guys, they've got cap space, maybe they could be a little bit of a different player if they look at it and say, well, you know, we're putting a lot of eggs in that Giannis basket, we want to pivot to something different. Maybe they had a, they go a slightly different direction this offseason. But I think for the most part, teams will treat it very similarly. And they'll just say, okay, he was off the, the table for us likely anyway. He probably wasn't coming to... Phoenix, Charlotte, mm-hmm. Atlanta, you know. Right. Um, so I think for them, they're, they're going to kind of prioritize things 
the same way that they would anyway. Um, but there's those handfuls of, you know, Toronto, Miami, the Lakers, um, those big market teams, those big superstar teams that'll look at it and say, well, maybe we do things slightly different. Maybe Toronto's willing to take on a little bit more money now versus into the next offseason versus trying to keep the books completely clean. Yeah, I, I certainly think that, that while there's other options out there, he's the guy. Right, he's the guy for that for that offseason that a lot of teams are going to be targeting. And if he's suddenly off the board, I, I think that could lead to some more not not like giant contracts this offseason, because I don't think that that superstar level players out there on the market, yeah. Anthony Davis aside, yeah. this not season that's leaving teams. Right. Yeah. But you but you could see I think more long-term deals, like if we want to use the Lakers example, say um, if you're looking at Contavious Caldwell-Pope, if Giannis isn't on the market anymore, maybe they're willing to do, say, a three-year deal or something like that. Yeah. Whereas if they think that he's going to come and if they're hearing you know, that, hey, he's going to be on the market and maybe he consider the Lakers, maybe they'd be more prone to saying, hey, KCP, here's whatever, $20 million, but for just one season because we want to have yeah. that cap space open. So that's where I, I could see it kind of changing things. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to talk about the heat in depth um, mm-hmm. in a couple minutes, and and I'll you know really break down what I'm thinking there with them. But with the with the Lakers, yeah, that's exactly it. You'll take money on into next year. They may use the full um the the full MLE to sign a guy to a three year deal versus only a one year deal right. or a one plus one because you if you're if you're really thinking all right we can get in the honest mix, then you're going to hold that money back. And you're not going to go into that if you're really thinking, you know, all right, well, he's off the board now. Let, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, kind of do this a little bit more on the fly. You're a little bit more likely to jump in. And that full mid-level, especially if you're offering two or three-year deals, that starts to be a lot more attractive for some of these free agents this year. Because, you know, that that's a better tool than just a one-year deal at $9 million. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we dive into our Southeast preview, got a question here. Carlos Duncan from YouTube said, how much bubble talk has there been so i'm assuming that that he's talking about for next season are there is there even any discussion of maybe like a regional bubble or is the nba just assuming hey covid or not we're going to be playing in home arenas and teams are going to be traveling uh ish um it's it's kind of a mix it's, okay. it's going to be it's going to look different than what we've seen in the past um i i like to use the the LA teams and the New York teams as a good example, um, you know, for a team from the East coast, like the Celtics, they might fly in and play the Clippers on one trip. And then on their second West coast trip is when they play at the Lakers. That's not going to happen. They're going to do both of those games, get them played and get out of there. Um, same thing when the Lakers come East, they're going to go to new, they might come and play the Knicks, Nets, Celtics, Sixers, Raptors, all in one swing. You know, knock all those games out, get them all through and go. And you may see that be, you know, what was that? Five, six games I just rattled off Mm -hmm. there. You may see that five or six games played in a window of, you know, maybe call it 10 days or something like that. Maybe nine days with some back to backs or something like that mixed in there because because that's what the NBA is going to do. So it's going to be kind of like the Major League Baseball approach, even though there's no series. But if you're um, if now if you're in your inner division games, so the Lakers and the Nuggets, you may see the Lakers go if they're going to play the Nuggets twice, they may go to Denver and play them twice. They may play them you know, on a Friday yes. that night and then a Sunday afternoon and you're out of there and then that's it. That's Baseball your one trip for the year. Yeah, kind of more baseball style. Exactly. Now, the downside to that is what why the NBA doesn't do that this way already, because that question comes up, is they don't want to come in and all right, you know, so the Lakers are coming in and the Nuggets get lucky because LeBron tweaked the groin Mm -hmm. and isn't going to play. 
you know, he's out for four, four or five days. So now the Nuggets, you know, completely missed him. There's also the sense this is not a concern for this year, clearly, because it's um, there's not going to be fans. But you don't want somebody coming into town, you know, both times in the same week. You know, it's just not something you really want to see. You wanted that to be a little bit more spread out. But, yeah, it's going to I think you're going to see some uh, longer road trips where teams come in. There's going to be some weird quirks to the schedule. One of the things we're hearing is we may get half of the schedule um, up front. Then there'll be a little bit of a break. And then we may get the second half of the schedule as it goes, because that'll allow for reschedules if there's COVID reasons and those kind of things. Because that's going to be something that they're going to have to be very conscious of because you're not in a bubble. As we see with MLB, as we've seen with the NFL, they've been able to control it, but they are still getting positive tests Mm -hmm. and those kind of things. So by doing that, and they don't have the flexibility, right? The NFL, it's one game a week. So if you move it to play on, you know, Tuesday night, you move in, you play on Tuesday night, and it's generally not the end of the world. In the in Major League Baseball, you can play doubleheaders because right. they do that. They don't do that in the NBA. So that's going to be something they're really going to have to um, build some creativity into the schedule, and that's something, you know, which is interesting, right? When you think about what's going to happen here for us, we're going to get transaction moratorium lifted sometime within probably the next week. Then the NBA draft. Then free agency. Then the schedule, like it's all coming at once. There's not going to be like it is going to be you're going to be so overloaded with what is happening here. And then right on the heels of that training camps open. Sounds like teams are going to play two or three preseason games. And then we're going to be right into the season. And it's all going to be here because the season is really what it what were people saying? It's like 45 days away. Yeah. Or something like that. It's crazy. That's it's nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to think, you know, that that's how close we are. Keith, I'm at a point and we've talked about this a little bit on on uh, on my show last night. Uh, where I think I'm just going to go with the Zach Lowe plan. Zach Lowe, like I, unfortunately I do drink energy drinks, but he, he mentioned <laughs> recently that, that he's never had an energy drink before. He just doesn't drink them, but he's looking at this and, and he's thinking I'm buying some energy drinks and I'm going to, and that's how I'm going to get through it. I think that's what, I, what I, that's going to be my plan because this is nuts. I mean, you're talking about, we're probably for, for you and I, Keith, we're probably talking about from what November, 14th through the start of the season it's going to be non-stop and especially with free agency and everything so condensed right next to each other the draft and free agency and you know how much trade discussion uh takes place at the draft anyway oh my gosh i mean it's gonna be i'm just gonna lock myself in the studio here and Sorry, families. <laughs> See you later. Because <laughs> right? this is going to be—it's going to be nuts. It's—I'm excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I, I can only imagine. Just it, basketball fans, get ready. It's going to be a whirlwind, and somehow we're only a few weeks away from it. Yeah, it, it's going to be—it's going to be kind of like that lockout season back in 2011, where mm-hmm. it all got pushed in. But except in that season, the draft had already happened. So that that had you know happened months earlier, and then they locked out, and and then you know free agency. So we're getting all of it you know in one big window. So it's going to be really really interesting, um, you know uh, you know what, what what's happening you know there. So so it's yeah man, it's going to be you know pretty pretty wild with, with all that. And and I'm with you. I think I'm going to put a coffee urn right over here <laughs> on the side of my desk and just have like a big straw where I can just start start pulling it. But I got to I got to figure out how to dump ice into it because I don't I can't do hot coffee. I'm a big iced coffee guy. Okay, well I'm sure there's some way to get it done. We can uh, we can MacGyver yeah, we'll that before uh, before all. I have of that a ten year old. I can give her you know a couple extra bucks and chore money to keep keep filling me up. There, right? you, there you go. This <laughs> this is your job. Um, yeah, that's it. 
All right, let's let's dive into our divisional preview. Each week we've been previewing sure. one division and what things are going to be looking like for them. Today we are moving on to the Southeast Division. So, Keith, why don't we kick things off with the NBA Finals team? Let's go with the Miami Heat. I think they are a very interesting squad given that they've got a number of guys they would like to bring back, but they also want to maintain their cap space for 2021 to make a run at Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, how do you see things breaking for those pesky Miami Heat? Yeah, so I have said for months now that I think what you're going to see with the Heat is they are going to prioritize um, re-signing their own free agents. So Goran Dragic probably, um, you know, a number one on them. So I think what you'll see is they will re-sign him to a big contract, you know, maybe even $20 million for this year, but Mm -hmm. it'll be a one-year deal. Then next year, after they use their cap space, then they can re-sign him with whatever's left over, part of an exception, or even to the minimum um, for one year. And then after that, because they'd still have bird rights on him, they can re-sign him again um, to a new contract, um, which is more in line with what he would normally get paid You know, at this point in his career, called seven, eight million at that point in his career. So when you add it all up, it'll look like a two or three year deal, maybe even a four year deal for, you know, 40 million Mm -hmm. or something like that. But it'll be the way it's going to be broken up is going to be there. They would like to do the same thing for Jay Crowder because Jay Crowder is an important part of their, uh, their, team Mm -hmm. the challenge is jay crowder's at a very different point in his career than goran dragic so draw if crowder can get a um you know full you know full mid-level deal for three years from a team he may want to take that versus kind of playing this one year one year uh game with miami so that that's going to be the guy to keep an eye on there and then the last piece of their offseason bam out of bio he is 100% going to get re-signed by the Heat. But let's think back to Kawhi Leonard, Andre Drummond, when when we heard all this talk mm-hmm. of um, we're going to let him go to restricted free agency and use the relatively small cap hold versus doing that. That's their play because if they re-sign, if they give him an extension now, this offseason, it'll kick in at the start of next year and he'll be on a likely a max deal. If not, and that's going to be $27, 28000000 million. On the books that you'd rather not have, you'd rather have it be a um, a much lesser cap hold and then resign him knowing you still have his restricted rights and, and he's not going anywhere anyway. So those are kind of the three big parts to their offseason. So I think the Heat are largely look pretty similar to what they look like now. Some moves around the edges with guys, but I don't think you're going to see major changes for Miami this offseason. Yeah, agreed. I think their their big play is one offseason away. They're going to bring back the pieces. They're going to hope for development from Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson continue to grow. Their team continue to uh, continue to gel under an excellent coach in Eric Spolstra. And then go from there, uh, the Bam Adebayo play, I think that's exactly what they're, they're going to wind up doing. It's not, they're not signing him right now because they don't like him. They love him. They want him to stay. They're going to give him that deal. It's just going to happen in a year from now, which, by the way, for, for, you know, for Lakers fans listening, that could be a potential path for the Lakers as well in regards to Kyle Kuzma. So that's something to, look, to watch going forward. Not saying that he's going to get the same contract as Bam Adebayo, just similar situation in terms of they'll be restricted next offseason. Um, yep. Okay. Let's move on and let's talk about, well, Keith, why don't we, since you're in Orlando anyway, why don't we take a little <laughs> trip from Miami and we'll talk about your Orlando magic bubble. Hours north. 
bubble hosts and uh and let's uh let's talk about where they are you know i can say coming from the lakers perspective orlando has always been that team that just that just plays the lakers tough and they're they're never like a <laughs> championship contender awful. but but they always yeah. give them a tough game and i don't know what it is i don't know why it's disney magic or something but uh but orlando is in an interesting situation particularly with I mean, you've got Jonathan Isaac, who we believe is going to be out for the season, which is, is terrible. He's already going to miss next season. But they do have some interesting pieces there, as well as a big decision to make with uh, Evan Fournier. So so what are your thoughts there with the with the Orlando Magic? Yeah, so Fournier is the, kind of the big um, free agent question for the Magic. Mm-hmm. I think he will opt in oh, okay. um, to his contract. I, I don't think he's going to leave. Um, I think there's just too much uncertainty. The teams that have cap space, he doesn't make a ton of sense for those teams. So I think Fournier opts in at 17 million, a little bit more than that for next year. And then he hits restricted free or hits unrestricted free agency a year from now in a market that should be a lot better um, for him. More teams with cap space, more teams that make sense for him. Next big free agent is uh, DJ Augustine. Um, you know, I know for a lot of people to look at him and be like, yeah, he's a backup point guard, mm-hmm. but you know, most people, I hopefully saw the value of having good backup guards, you know, for both the Lakers and the heat, um, in this NBA finals, those guys, you know, helped those teams get there. And, uh, then a guy like Rondo helped help the Lakers win the title. So I think, um, he, he's a guy they would love to keep. I think he may be looking at and saying, I maybe want to go somewhere that's a little bit better. Um, you know, a team that's a, you know, a little, you know, closer to contention, Maybe that's where I want to be. So that one's going to be a little interesting. Michael Carter Williams, who's kind of reinvented himself as a, um, you know, uh, more of a defensive minded wing mm-hmm. player um, who can do a little bit of secondary playmaking. Um, he's probably somebody the Magic want to bring back. I think he's found a really good fit here. I think they can bring him back fairly cheaply. So, so I th- think you will see him um, come back uh, there. So, so I, I think you know that that's kind of where they're at there. And then their two big offseason questions that are bigger than anything is extensions for Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. They're both extension eligible. Fultz played well and is now, what do you do, right? Because there's still question marks right. about him. And then Isaac with the injuries. You know, what do you do with Jonathan Isaac? He's probably going to miss the entire season. So I think what's probably the path is Orlando will try to get them to sign team-friendly extensions that make a lot of sense for the Magic. If they can't lock those in, it's probably best for those two guys to kind of let it play out and then hit the um, hit uh, hit um, restricted free agency next year and see what the market looks like then. Now, Orlando, this is, uh, well, I mean, they, they don't have a lottery pick this year, but they're one pick outside the lottery. They've got that 15th pick. Do you see them doing anything with, with that? Do you think they stay put? Do they make any moves there? I mean, they've got some movable pieces on their roster. Are they maybe a, a dark horse for to swing a trade on draft night? Yeah, I think they'd like to trade up if they can. Um, the other thing is this is kind of almost like a bonus draft for the Magic because they have Chuma OKK. Um, who they drafted last year in the middle of the first mm-hmm. round. He's gonna be he's gonna sign this year. He sat out all of last year, did not sign his rookie scale contract and rehabbed from a torn ACL that he suffered in his last year at Auburn. 
So they're going to sign him this year. And that's kind of, he comes in and he's like the Jonathan Isaac insurance for this season. Um, So he's going to be the third forward in the mix with um, Aaron Gordon. And then Alfred Camino, who they signed last year as a free agent. So I think they would love to move that up, try to get another creator, another um, offensive playmaker, another scorer out of the backcourt. I think that would be um, something that they would love to do to move that pick and see where they can go with that. So that'll be, you know, kind of interesting to see if they can pull that up because I'm just not, uh, or pull that off. I'm just not sure what they would add to that because that's what they're kind of missing is those good pieces to add to it to move up Mm -hmm. because they're either guys they want to keep or they're guys that are on contracts that just don't really fit that. So, so that, that's the tough thing. That's the other thing though. There's, there's a sense around the NBA right now that the Orlando magic, and this is the sense I'm getting. I don't want to call it a full rebuild, but let's call it a retooling on the fly. You know, maybe they'll, you know, um, you know, move a, uh, you know, guy like Nikola Vucevic or maybe an Aaron Gordon or something like that. Kind of rebuild this thing a little bit on the fly, um, pick up some flexibility cap space wise going into the summer of 2021. And then you would have, you know, a bunch of flexibility. You'd have Isaac, you'd have Fultz, you'd have OKK, and then you'd be able to move on. And that, that'll be, you know, something to keep an eye on too, because they could do some trades here that look like they're coming a little bit different, but I think it's more like we're probably going to largely run it back, bring in OKK, re-sign Carter Williams. We had a question in the chat, uh, two years, 6 million for, for Vooch. Um, or for not for Vooch. Sorry, I just read another thing for Vooch. <laughs> um, another question for Vooch for um, for Carter Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that they necessarily even need to go that high. Um, it might be might be more of a one year deal. You know, around like you know three or four million. Um, but yeah, two six. That's that's fair for Carter Williams. I, I think that's fine um, for a guy like him. Um, what would teams be willing to trade for Vooch? That was what threw me off when I saw that question. Um, I don't know. That's that's uh, depends on the team. He's really, he's a good player. Yeah, that's it. It really depends on the team. Um, I think if you're the Magic, you're looking for cap flexibility. You want an expiring contract, so you're clearing that cap off. You're clearing that number off the book, and then I think um, you would like to, you know, ideally get in a young big who can play a little bit. You know, and really kind of be the guy who challenges Mo Bamba because Bamba's just not ready. He's not ready to step in to that role. So that that's the the thing with Vooch. So you know, but Vooch is a good player. You know, he's you know, and he fits. He should age well. Um, he's shown when you have a good defensive system around him how good he is. Um, so I think that's really important too for a guy like that. So I think um, you know, Vooch is a guy who um, can play defense. He can rebound. Um, and he can clearly shoot he's extended his range and those kind of things so yeah he's, he's somebody i know a lot of teams will have a lot of interest in it's just what are the magic willing to take back and what are they looking to take back right right yeah i mean he's certainly a good player and the question is too you know how many teams are planning on building around a center like that you know i mean yeah. that's that's yeah. that's what you're looking at now in the modern nba do you want to commit those resources to get a center as good as Vucevic is. I think it'll be interesting to see. I think there should be teams interested in him, but there's a few, I think, that will be just philosophically, they, they're going to allocate resources elsewhere. Um, the one thing about Orlando is, you know, they've been building for a while now. They just haven't found that star, right? That's that's the hard part, is finding the superstar and then going from there. And they haven't found just a, a, a home yeah. run hit yet. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Gordon didn't turn into that. They need they need to find their superstar. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they do, like you said, a little bit of a retooling on the fly and hope that they can maybe combine some pieces or do something to uh, to land that piece that's going to really 
push them forward in the future. Um, let- yeah. It's been tough for them, right? They, they, they've never been quite bad enough to be all the way at the bottom of the lottery to pick there. They're, right. they're always in that five to eight range. Um, and then, you know, as those guys kind of grew, they got better and they improved. And that, that's been what's been, um, you know, interesting to see as they've kind of, you know, pushed this thing forward. So I think it's, you know, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's tough because they're, they're kind of caught in that middle, but also it's important to know, you know, as someone who lives here, the magic are, third or fourth on the priority list for fans here Mm -hmm. it's college football then it's nfl football then if the magic are good fans will stick with them and ride it out to the nba season if they're not the orlando city soccer team not to get back into that again (laughs) but that's people love that team here part of that is because they came in as a new team right and nobody's from orlando no nobody grew up here Mm -hmm. You know, very few people. So most of these people are um, coming in with an established team already. So they really love the the soccer team. So for the the casual fans, if the soccer if the Magic aren't playing well and the soccer team is, they pull everybody away. So it is important for the Magic to stay good and continue to move through. So so I think that's you know going to be kind of um, you know something to keep in mind. They don't necessarily want to bottom this thing out just yet as they've just started to get better. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. But from one team who hasn't found their star yet to one who has, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young, uh, I mean, he was sizzling last season, at least on the offensive end. I think they've got some interesting young pieces. Of course, added Clint Capella. Uh, you've got... Uh, you've got DeAndre Hunter, who maybe will turn into the wing defender they're hoping they could be. Cam Reddish showed some serious flashes of life, life uh, last season. Then you've got Kevin Herter, who was one of my favorite players coming out of that draft, and I think he's been a great fit. There's there's something there in Atlanta. It didn't. I expected them to be better. You didn't than even the, mention my favorite guy, John Collins. John, yes, of course. How could I? How, how could man, I leave that's him my off? Favorite dude on the team. How could I leave him? 20, off? 2010 guy, good percentages. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, pending free agent. So yeah, that's my dude, John Collins, right there, man. All right, so we will have to make sure that we that I include him. I see that's that, this is the perils of going live. I can't just go back and yep. edit that and throw in throw in John Collins too. I was looking down the list, and I hadn't quite got oh, to yeah. him yet. Um, but yeah, so these guys, they're an interesting team moving forward. I think that they are uh, a squad that should have been better last season, but I wonder if they can get things to click this year. Um, and they also have a pretty clean salary cap sheet. I mean, I don't know that they're going to be, I, I don't know that they're going to give out some huge contracts, but if they wanted to, they could, like we've heard some rumors about them going after uh Contavious Caldwell Pope or a piece like that. I think they're going to be a really interesting team to watch this off season. Yeah. I project them to have the most cap space in the league, $44 million um, is what, what I think they'll have for cap space. Um, and that is not uh, one of these, like, well, once they start re-signing a bunch of guys mm-hmm. that goes away because the guys they're, they're getting rid of are not guys that they're probably bringing back. Vince Carter, he's, he's retiring. Right. So he's not coming back. Deandre Bembry, restricted free agent, probably not coming back. Damian Jones, Scalabissier, probably not coming back. Jeff Teague, if he comes back, that'll be on a, on a uh, much lesser contract, you know, maybe five to eight million dollars. Uh, for the year to back up uh, Trey Young because he did help them quite a bit. Um, they didn't have a quality backup for Trey Young for almost the entire season. Right. Then they got Teague, and when Teague came in, that really changed things quite a bit for them. They, they didn't completely fall apart every time Trey Young sat. But but then you know when you start looking around, what positions do they need? 
Well, because of their trade deadline moves, Clint Capella and Dwayne Dedman, you're set at center now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you're going to get call it. Let's say John Collins plays seven, eight minutes a night of small ball center. Um, you've got 40 minutes of good center play between Capella and Dedman. You're fine. Collins, power forward. Yo, he's good. When when they go small, DeAndre Hunter slides up to that power forward spot. Um, Herder Reddish on the wing with Hunter. Got some pretty good players there. And then, you've been, like I said, you've got Trey Young, as we all know, locked in at point guard. Right. So what I think the Hawks are the sneaky team for is to overpay veteran, good veteran players for a year and basically say, hey, you know, old friend Paul Millsap, you know, you want to come in and be, you know, 20, 25 minute a game night a guy behind Collins and maybe play a little bit of the small ball, um, you know, five for us, you know, or be a little bit of a depth piece there. We'll give you 15 million where everybody else is only offering you nine. Um, you know, uh, do, does, you know, is it there are wing, you know, wing, wing shooters, right? Teams always need wing shooters. You know, any number of those guys. Do the Hawks want to get involved there and say, you know, hey, you you want to come, you know, here and play? Um, do they want to mess around with a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings, who's mm-hmm. a restricted free agent? Throw an offer sheet at him and force the Kings to match that. If Contavious Caldwell Pope does go the free agent route, do the Hawks make it harder on the Lakers because they want to say, "Hey, we're going to pay him a whole bunch of money." Yeah, you know, well, you know, and make it make him really make a real choice there. Um, you know, so that's where I think the Hawks can get involved here. Davis Bertant, another guy they could get involved and make it really kind of um, you know tough on the Wizards to retain him, and that also hurts a, another team in the division. So that's where where I think the Hawks are going to be kind of players uh, this offseason is because they're going to be able to get in there and offer more money. And if guys are saying, hey, I was only doing a one-year deal anyway, I might as well make that one-year deal for as much money as possible. And that's what Atlanta can do. And then their other big free agent or offseason piece here is John Collins is extension eligible. They need to decide, are we tying up significant amount of money in John Collins? Or do we see it as, uh, there's just too many defensive deficiencies here. We're going to let this thing play out a little bit longer. We'll let it get to restricted free agency and go that direction. I would personally lock him up and sign him if you can get him for, let's call it 20 million starting salary in that range. I would 100% do that. I would maybe even push into the 24 million range, mm-hmm. like the Jalen Brown extension, slightly less than the max. I would totally do that because I think John Collins is that good. I think that's the the real challenge for the Hawks here is that if you are building just structurally, if you're building your team around Trey Young and John Collins, who are both offensively talented players, both have some defensive deficiencies. In the modern NBA, it's hard to hide one player on the defensive end. It's extremely difficult. In fact, you see teams that that almost can't play some players. Uh, The Lakers couldn't really play Quinn Cook very much because of the defensive end of the floor. Um, that can be a real challenge. So if you're talking about two of your key building blocks, your foundation pieces, having deficiencies on that end of the floor, well, we saw what happened with the Hawks last season. They were defensively a, a mess. And so I think that's the challenge moving forward. Can you surround him with surround both of them with enough pieces that are good on the defensive end or maybe great is what you need so that you can raise your overall level and maybe Trey Young gets a bit better there. Maybe John Collins gets a bit better there. That's the big question for the Hawks to, to answer philosophically is do you are you okay with that? And if not, then what do you do? Do you pivot away from a John Collins? Do you make him prove that he can he can get better on the defensive end of the floor uh, before you offer him that, that big money contract? I think that's going to be 
a big question mark. But talent-wise, I, th- I think you're right. I think that they need to pay him and then kind of figure things out from there. Because worst case, if you get to a point, they're not at that point now, but if they get to a point where they decide, look, this just can't work, you can still trade that piece for something else down the line. Yeah, exactly. And that that's a good thing, you know, for the Hawks. They're in a position now. They have incredible flexibility here. They've got some good guys. I do think this season's important for Travis Schlenk, their general manager, that they do take real steps forward towards being a playoff team because a lot of people thought that was going to be what they did last season. Mm-hmm. And they weren't quite ready, especially on the defensive end. But they cleaned some of that up with Capella. I think once Hunter and Reddish kind of figured out how to play in the NBA, they both started to get a little bit better there. So I think that's going to be the thing is you need to bring in those veterans behind them to really kind of push that team forward. And I think if they can do that, the Hawks are in a really good shape because the bottom of the East, it's, you know, you're not, the Nets will be a lot better, but maybe the Pacers slide back a little bit. Um, And then, then you're really talking about beating out the magic. And I think the Hawks can get to the magic's level fairly easily. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think that they can as well. All right, let's move over. Uh, Let's go. Well, since we're all focused on the nation's capital anyway, right now, (laughs) let's talk about the Washington Beals. I mean, the the Washington Wizards, come on. They're not trading Bradley Beal, right? (laughs) Um, Not to the Lakers. No, definitely, definitely not to the Lakers. (laughs) They can't even get in that that discussion at this point. But um, you know what? Let's let's break down this team because I'll say this. John Wall, uh, I mean, look, there was Desmond Bain, who's going to be drafted in just a couple weeks here. Uh, He put some footage out there on Instagram of himself in, uh, in a pickup game, catching lobs and dunking. And guess who was throwing those lobs? It was John Wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, and he's looking pretty spry. So could the Wizards actually find themselves in a better position than anybody thought with perhaps a returning John Wall? Okay, so a pickup game is very different than an NBA game, sure. of course. We have to mention that. But still, maybe John Wall does return to at least somewhat a healthy, a healthy way. And then you can get him back in the mix and... Who knows? Maybe the Wizards can build forward from there. But uh, but otherwise, that's a big contract on the books that the, the Wizards are going to have to deal with. I'll tell you, considering everything John Wall has gone through over the last two years mm-hmm. uh, physically, just him being on the court running up and down is huge. Absolutely. You know, that, that's 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 you know such a good sign. He, he's one of the guys I think a lot of us are going to have eyes on and really saying, like, all right, what is he? You know, because when John Wall was healthy – you know, he was a blur with the ball in his hands. There were very few players as fast as him with the ball in his hands. He was also figuring out how to play in the half court quite a bit, you know, before he got hurt. And and we're really coming off of two full years of lost season. So I'm excited to see him, you know, get back out there and play. And I think him and Beal together, that's a, still a pretty good backcourt if, if, mm-hmm. if Wall can play. It's the rest of this roster where I'm a little like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like Troy Brown Jr. I think he's going to be a good quality wing. I think um, you know he showed real improvement last year, played really well in the restart games. Um, I think he's getting better. I'm still a Thomas Bryant guy um, up front. I think you know when you can rebound and score the way he can, there is a home for you. I'm Even a Thomas Bryant guy, guy too. That one still hurts. <laughs> still hurts. Yeah, man, that one's <laughs> tough. Yeah, yeah. this is like the land of former Lakers. It right? really is. And Isaac Longa there as well. And Mo, Mo Wagner. Wagner. Um, you know, so I think, you know, I, I, they want to retain Davis Bertans, mm-hmm. um, which I think would be huge. Bertans, you know, really um, when the when he with the Wizards this year, when they were like, let it fly. 
You know, I mean, and he did. You know, he what was he, taking three pointers at Steph Curry rates. Well, he was shooting, wasn't he? I think he was shooting like 10 threes a game. I just saw this yeah. stat earlier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, just insane. Like, I didn't yeah. realize it was happening, but For he had like no conscience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So they want her in shooting them well, too. It wasn't yeah. like this was me 42%. out there just letting them fly and, you know, shooting 22%. Um, you know, so, yeah. I mean, he's a guy I think, you know, they want to have back. They got Bonga, who, you know, showed some stuff. You know, last year, I think, you know, really, you know, was a long-term starter for mm-hmm. them this year, but we'll see what happens. Rui Hachimura, really up and down rookie season for him. You know, this is kind of a big sophomore year there, um, but they don't have any cap space. They don't have a lot of flexibility to make moves um, this offseason. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they could be a team, again, like the Hawks, better health, make the right moves. You can get in the mix in the Eastern Conference because you only really have to run down Orlando um, to get in there. And then if they do this play-in tournament, like they're talking about, which we didn't even talk, but if they do the play-in tournament and it's the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th seeds are involved, well, now all of a sudden it makes it really open for a team like Washington to get in there and get in the mix. So, so yeah, I think, you know, and then, then of course, the Beal question is going to keep being asked. Uh, their GM came out this week and said, we're not trading them, and he doesn't yeah. want to be traded. He wants to be here. What I think, and I 100% believe that, <coughs> excuse me, but I think um, if they're bad next year and Wall doesn't look like he's back, next summer's when that will really start is. Yep. All right, I, I did it for another year. I gave it my best shot, but we're not going anywhere now. It's time to really make moves. And at that point, that's when the Beal speculation will really pick up. Yeah, Beal made a, made a comment, uh, it was about a week ago or so, where he kind of... You know, he didn't say he wanted to be traded or anything, but he did say, you know, that he's he, you know, his contract gives him some flexibility with that or something to that to that. I don't know what he was talking about. I don't there, know cause either because he doesn't have yeah. flexibility really. But he but has maybe a that option for twenty two. But maybe that know. was a discussion though when they signed him. Maybe Washington said, "Hey, look, in the future, if you decide you want out, of course we'll try to accommodate or or something sure. like that." That's always possible. Yeah. Nothing that's going to be in the contract, but but certainly yeah. within the realm of possibility. His numbers not so crazy high. He's not right. making forty million. Where it's the Chris Paul challenge of mm-hmm. how do you fit this guy in somewhere and match salary in a deal? I mean, twenty eight point seven. That's pretty easily moved you you know you're probably talking two three guys going the other way to match salary that's not not tough the challenge here for them is i see you know thomas bryant you can say okay he's he's a, he's a starter bradley beal of course is a starter john wall we think will be a starter a quality player we don't yep. know what he's going to look like post-injury but outside of that you've got to be kind of crossing your fingers and hoping that some of these other younger guys hit because otherwise it's it's hard to fill out a quality starting five yep. on this Washington team right now. And that's, you know, that that's just the position that they're, that they're in. I don't expect them to be a major factor in free agency or anything. They've already got a lot of money on the books. Um, so it's going to come down to uh, Hachimura. It's going to come down to, uh, to Mo Wagner, to these types of players, Isaac Bonga, to them really solidifying their role in the NBA, that's going to determine, I think, along with John Wall's health, what Washington's season winds up looking like. Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right, you know, as we kind of, you know, start running through that and looking at it of, you know, who's a starter, who's, you know, that, because then, you know, let's say they keep Bertans. All right, well, Bertans is, you know, clearly a, um, you know, a good player that you can keep and have there as the, um, you know, he, he's a you know clear rotation guy. I think Wagner's okay. Um, you know, in mm-hmm. in that in the mix, there ish um, on the back end. 
of that. And then I think um, Troy Brown Jr. is going to be all right. So, yeah, so you've got some guys there that, that you can really start to say, all right, we can kind of fill fill this thing out there and really, you know, okay, I think, you know, we're, we're in a good place. It's just to push beyond a return to the playoffs. That's where I don't necessarily see those pieces there right now. Unless Hachimura and, and Brown – you'll really explode right. uh, on their rookie scale deals into big time all-star level players. Yeah. Right. But the, the chances of both of those things happening is fairly slim. It's possible, but, but slim. Um, Someone in the chat just yeah. said, um, if we lose KCP sign Joe Harris, Lakers don't have enough money. He's going to gonna get a ton. He's going to get a yeah. ton. That would be maybe from the team. We haven't talked yet. In the, yeah. Let's, in let's the get, let's, let's get to that. Let's ju- let's jump over. Let's go say hi to our old friend, Mitch Kupchak with the Charlotte Hornets. You know, this gosh, it's it just a tough season for the Hornets last year. They still have Batum's contract on the books somehow. I don't know how that's possible, but somehow they still have that, that contract on the books. They signed Terry Rozier. They get him at, well in that, that deal with, uh, with Boston that sent Kemba Walker over to the Celtics. They've got Terry Rozier. And then of course, Devonte Graham blows up. And now you've got an interesting situation there at guard. Ah, oh, Keith, the, the Hornets, I mean, they're going to be, they're, it's kind of a mess here. It just, it just is. It's kind of a mess. They do have a bit of cap room, so maybe there's some hope moving forward, but I don't like what I see with this team, man. Yeah, Mitch Kupchak came into a multi-season teardown, um, and that, that's where we're at. It's like buying a house, and you're kind of just going room by room, right. and you're trying to fix it and clean it up, and right now they're in the demolition phase. Still, you know, they're, they're, you know, Bismack Biombo's off the books now. Um, so that that bad money's gone. Uh, Nicholas Batum's got one more year left. He's going to opt in clearly yeah. for $27 million. Um, But now it becomes a big expiring deal. Maybe he could move that. Kupchak, you know, very rare. Um, but he said on the record, you know, we might be looking to take on questionable salary. He said something on the record? trades back. He did. Mitch Kupchak is just just so you you know what I'm saying here. Like Lakers fans are, they know (laughs) Mitch Kupchak is better than anyone I've ever seen at speaking without actually saying anything. It is, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but, but he did. He he said that's something that they need to consider is, you know, with their cap space and they could take on um, bad contracts as the young guys develop. And I like some of the young guys. I like Miles Bridges. Yeah. Again, my affinity for Michigan State players <laughs> comes in there that I don't know why that formed, but but I like them. Um, Devontae Graham, that's my guy. I was hyping him all year long. I think he should have won most improved player because he went from looking like a barely an NBA player to now a good quality rotation yeah. player. Terry Rozier, I'm not a huge fan of his game, but, you know, he's fine. He's clearly an NBA starting caliber point guard. Um, I like Cody Martin. I think Caleb Martin and Jalen McDaniels are interesting. P.J. Washington's pretty good. You know, so I kind of like him him too mm-hmm. there. And then Cody Zeller, this is last year under contract there. So they're clearly looking. Um, the big rumor that's going around, and everybody is saying it to the point where when you hear it so much, you wonder, is it really true? Right. Is that they really want James Wiseman? Um, oh, they yes, really yes, want to yes, bring yes, him right. in. They, they, don't, they don't have a big man, you know. Um, but when you hear, I, I always get worried when I hear it from, you know, once I start hearing it from seven, eight, nine people, I'm like, are we and now? Is this just groupthink? And we're all like, they should get James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. This makes sense. Um, or is it a real thing? You know, now it does make a lot of sense. Sure. I think he would be, you know, probably the best possible guy that they could get. So, yeah, I, it's just th- this is where they're at. They should be in position to pick the best player available in the draft because nobody on this roster is good enough to consider having a spot locked in. 
Then in free agency, it should be all about trying to find undervalued guys, take that Brooklyn Nets approach, find those undervalued free agents and bring some of those guys in. Um, you know, Or if you really said, you know what, we want to get a guy who we think can be a real asset for us and help our young guys and we could still trade them. Yeah, maybe you throw Joe Harris a deal at, you know, 13 million a year or something mm-hmm. like that, which is a little bit of an overpay, but you know, you're always for wing shooters. At some point, you'll always be able to trade him on something like that, and you could get involved. They're another team. Maybe they could get involved and throw an offer sheet at Bogdan Bogdanovich, make things a little tricky for the Kings, make them swallow hard on matching um, there. But for the most part, I, I think you just kind of ride this one out, collect assets by eating bad contracts, and just keep this thing moving forward because you're just still in, you know, you're now only really getting into year two of a multi-year rebuild. Yeah, that, that's exactly where they're at, Keith. you got to hope that you hit on your draft pick, and then from there, you're moving forward and you're waiting for a few of those contracts to come off the books, freeing things up, be smart with what you, with the contracts that you give out this year. You're either looking for guys that you think are a value and will either be potentially an asset moving forward that you can that you can either keep as part of your team or you will be able to trade them later and get a positive return there. And uh, and that's it. That's about it. That's what you're doing to build out this roster. You've got to make some decisions on a few players if you think they're long-term fits or not. Of course, Batum, maybe you do find a trade for him as an expiring contract. But yeah, uh, yep. but that's especially if you want to take on bad money from somebody else, you could definitely move. Mm-hmm. Batum, his teams are trying to set up for 2021. Somebody asked. He asked a long time ago. So hopefully, he's still hanging in there about Malik Monk. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't shown anything. And then he had the drug issue last year, which got him suspended for a long time. He needs to probably play this thing out, come back. Uh, hopefully he's got things back on track. You know, we hope yes. for him as a person um, that he's, he's where he needs to be. And then he can, uh, you know, get this thing moving um, forward for him. You know, that that's really important. But, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I think if he ever becomes good, um, it's not going to be in Charlotte. I think it'll be, you know, one of those second draft deals where another team brings him in. But he hasn't shown the shooting ability that I think we all hoped he would be coming out of the draft he just you know it's just not there yeah yeah i agree that's the the big challenge i thought he was going to be a great shooter and so far we haven't seen it but hopefully sometimes players bounce back it does happen so hopefully that'll happen every time he shows every time like he would show like all right here's some flashes he'd either get hurt and like you said last year you had unfortunately the drug issue which hopefully he's you know got all that cleaned up and he's going to be okay but but yeah it's just you know a little frustrating on that end with with that because i just don't know you know where where he'll be be ultimately right right And, and again hopefully we wish all the best for him and hopefully he winds up um turning into the player that we thought he was going to be when back when he was drafted um i think that pretty much wraps it up on the charlotte hornets keith we're at we're at an hour and 10 minutes at, at this point. I think we've done a pretty pretty extensive coverage here of everything going on in the NBA in terms of the start date and what the salary cap is looking like and, and all of those things. And then breaking down uh, the Southeast Division next week, we're going to head west and we'll be taking a look at some Western Conference teams. I haven't decided what division we'll start with just yet, but we'll pick one and, uh, and we'll break them down. And of course, we'll be hearing, of course, tons of draft stuff because we're going to be inching that much closer to the yep. draft. I can't believe it's right around the corner already. But uh, but I think this is pretty good, Keith. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a draft guy on for us after the draft. Mm-hmm. Somebody who knows these guys a little bit more than, than we do to help us kind of recap the draft. But we'll see. It's just because it's all going to 
comes so fast and furious. So so we'll see, but maybe we'll throw you guys a bonus episode where we bring in somebody to just uh, run through the draft with us. Um, we did that on a on an episode of the show a couple years ago, and it was one of the most listened to episodes. It was long. It was like a two-hour long thing because we talked all 30 teams and all the players and all that stuff. So so hopefully people you know, would enjoy that if that's the direction we go. Um, you know, Let us know how you like the live show, too. Yeah. Because as free agency goes along, this may be something we look to bring back um, here. Because because it's a, it was you know it was, it's Trevor. Don't take it the wrong way, man. I love talking to you, but I like interacting with the people a little bit too. So that's that's you know always a little bit bit of fun there of fun, as well. Yeah. So you know yeah. So so you know maybe we'll bring that roll that back uh, for free agency or something like that. That could be you know it could be something fun to do. But yeah yeah. And as Trevor said, please you know um, check out our sponsor Theragun. Um, especially if you're looking to relieve any of that pain you got going on and then, um, go in, um, you know, look into, um, giving us a five-star rating and review if you're listening to the podcast version. Um, and then, uh, let me see if I got this right. Uh, go to YouTube Lakers and Lakers nation on YouTube mm-hmm. and hit that subscribe button. Did I get yep, that right? You got it. Make sure you subscribe and, oh, and, hit the bell. and turn on yeah. the notifications. That way, you know, when we do a live show, because you get a little, little notification, you go, oh, okay, cool. They're live. I can hop in and, and ask them a question. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate all of everybody who's still hanging in there in the chat and even the guys who are throwing out, you know, crazy stuff there. That's been funny to read <laughs> as it's gone along as well. <laughs> all right. That's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you, everybody, especially those of you who joined us live from Periscope, from YouTube, from Facebook. Thank you, guys. And I uh, hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Till next time. See you and stay safe.